0: A very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Growing Dentist podcast show. Today, I'm super excited to have Heidi Mount with me. She's a coach. And Heidi, welcome.
0: Hi, thanks for having me, Naren.
1: Hi, Heidi. Um, I, I do appreciate you taking the time. And um, For those of us who don't know a lot about who you are and what you do, can you spend a couple of minutes telling us a little bit about yourself?
0: You bet. Um, Basically, I worked in the dental industry in Oregon and California, licensed in both states as an expanded function, registered dental assistant and office manager. And um, throughout that time, I was um, working in both states and consulting other offices and found that a lot of people recommended me to be a coach, so I decided to come out and find a simple, effective way to coach people over the internet. So I'm actually a virtual um, consultative coach.
1: That's great. I haven't met too many coaches who who are 100% uh, you know 100% virtual coach. So that's very interesting. So definitely later in the podcast, let's talk about what it is and how you do it and why it's good for you and the clients um but to kind of dive right in and and uh, you know provide some value to the listeners who are you know anxiously learn some of your wisdom some of your nuggets if i may um from all the years of experience you've had um one of the things i know people talk about is you help them increase um increase how much uh, how much how much somebody makes in a day right how you increase the production in a day um, so I know you have been doing it for what at least six years if not longer. of you know as a full-time coach
0: correct
1: <laughs> and um, so let's jump in so how do you help a practice and uh, maybe you can talk about somebody you're working with currently or you work with recently and Let's start with um, you know uh, what happened when when you came in. What did the world look like, and then how did you slowly start changing things? And I want to spend maybe ten minutes or so slowly dissecting, you know, Heidi coming in and and Heidi helping this practice and how things started changing, and uh, eventually where did they end up? And uh, also kind of giving a perspective on the timeline. So is it going to be quick? Is it going to take six months? You know. So anyway, so let's start give this client a name, you know, give, give this client a fictitious name and we'll start right from the beginning.
0: All right. Well, we can call him, uh, Dr. V. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah. So Dr. V had called me one day and said, Heidi, I'm gonna, it's Friday night and I just found out my rent is double and I can't afford it. And so I'm going to turn my keys in and just close up. I can't even, um continue there's no way I could pay double rent it was in a very very busy area and um expensive area and I said wait 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 no you know tell me what your problem is you know what what is going on how much is it you know and he said, well you know it's going to be about five thousand dollars more a month and what have you and I said well let's take a peek at your schedule so I got my eyes on his practice and then um went over the schedule and the reviewing the charts and what have you and gave them some communication skills so they could on Monday work on those things. And so they took the advice, they worked with the patients, they reviewed all the charts, they made sure to give the patients a big picture, they made sure to offer them and let the patients make better choices and things like that. And then he called me at the end of the day and he says, oh my gosh, I made $1,900 more today. And I, I was just so thrilled. And I had another um, client that was actually referred from another consultant, um, knowing that I could help. And that person was ready to claim bankruptcy. And it was all over. Like I'm like, how much are you in debt? And they they said, well, you know, immediately about five thousand dollars a month. But the big picture is about fifty grand. And I was like, that is not enough. You know, that is, that is so little. It's not worth claiming bankruptcy over, you know, 50 grand, that's crazy. Let's just get this show on the road and, and work with you. And so, I mean, you know, every practice is different. This particular practice, you know, they were loaning people money, they weren't charging interest, they, um, their fees were low. Um, I mean, there was just so many factors. So it's more, you know, having my eyes on your practice or my eyes on your schedule, and then kind of diagnosing it from there, like where would be the biggest bang for the buck? Where should we focus? Because I think a lot of doctors, they're so overwhelmed. They're they're either pulling their hair out about their staff, or they're just frustrated with their overhead. Um, and they just can't get ahead And their bills. It's kind of like a hamster, you know, running, 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 and, and they just get exhausted. So when we can focus on what's important, what are the biggest issues and break that down, reverse engineer it and fix those problems. Um, it becomes less stressful and staff have more fun. You know, they're, they're, staff feel that stress, you know, because doctors so many times they're just talking numbers, you know, and so they sound like Charlie Brown, wah, wah, wah and staff is kind of getting irritated with that. So I think coming from where I've been a staff member and, and then I've been a manager I paid the bills for doctors and things like that. That I had that experience of the business end of it, um, making sure that we're adding to the practice every day, making sure we're preparing um, for the dentist to make a nice day for them so the dentist can focus on their patient care. Um, right. so far, as far as timelines, you know, my goal is to get results right away.
1: Let's talk about Dr. V, right? So you said pretty quickly he started making $1,900 more. Right. So what what, what happened? What were some of the obvious mistakes that he didn't see, but you saw? Uh, I think,
0: you know, and it's almost the same in all pra- A lot of the practices, not all, but a lot of the plateaued or frustrated doctors are the staff come in and they're kind of clocking in, clocking out and just doing what's on the schedule. So when you see, you know, a prophy four bite wings and x-rays, that's all we're doing. And so, and I'm not saying to go find more work to do, but there's a big picture to look at when you're trying to, you know, um, give a patient a good patient experience, kind of customize the um, treatment to, according to the patient. So you're actually looking at their health history. It'd be amazing, it's amazing when I talk to team members and I'm like, well, do they have any health history problems? Well, I don't know, it doesn't say here, they're half paper chart, half computer, and oh, nobody updated it. And so it's a lot of the left hand's not talking to the right, and that's where the systems come in place. When you have, you know, the checkoff list for the systems, then what you're doing is eliminating extra work. So I think some of the things I do is because I've had the experience of working in a dental office um, that I try and eliminate work. You know, some people, let's say, you have a front desk that. Um, they just have so many patients to check out and whatever, you know, possibly there's a way to review the charts and go, look, this person prepaid, they have their next visit set up, so don't bring them to my front desk, you know, and then there's a handoff so they get out the door without bringing them to the front, saying they're ready to check out. Now the front desk is clicking on everything, looking at the schedule, then realizing five minutes later, I don't really even need to see this patient. So a lot of it is trying to eliminate those extra work by creating systems to um, make your job easier. And so, you know, just with my experience in what I've tried and not tried, um, I kind of know what works or doesn't work. And so my first job, there was no front desk, we were actually known as a front deskless office. And people are like, how does that work? It's like, well, you have systems in place. And so I you know, nowadays we have so many apps to bill insurance, to monitor, um, you know, all the numbers in the practice, you can quickly see a visual image, and it's so much simpler um, that I feel like people nowadays have it made. <laughs> so um, with Dr. V, I mean, it was just a matter of getting those systems in place, whether it was why are we doing a profi on this person that hasn't been in two years, well, the front desk scheduled them because they said they wanted a cleaning well but where's when was their last cleaning well i don't know it doesn't say you know so things like that happen so you've got to get the checkoff list done and having each staff member have an exact job description and what they're accountable for so one of the things i see is you might have three front desks, and it's like who confirms oh we all do it we're all cross-trained well that's great to be cross-trained i do encourage that um, especially if somebody's in or out you know for a medical reason or whatever you always want to make sure you have a manual or some way to cover that person but also that somebody else can do the job but um what i found is when one person's not responsible for that particular item then people are floundering and i don't know it's not my job or i thought it was done and then there's all this miscommunication so i think getting the systems in place um work well so sometimes you have employees that, um, you know, they're, they're kind of trained in everything but not focused on what actually adds to the key metrics of the practice. So that's where I like to focus. And then you have employees that they don't even like what they're doing and they'd probably be better at something else. So we've got to figure that out with the different personalities and who can really add to the practice especially if you have somebody on the phone that's trying to reactivate and they're like, I've called every patient and nobody will schedule. Well, maybe it's the person on the
1: phone that needs some training. Does that make sense? Right, right. So you're saying a lot of these issues are um, people shooting themselves in the foot.
0: I think there's a lot of wasted time and effort what we're doing. We're, we're, we're floundering or scrambling and it's not going to matter much on what they're doing. For example, somebody's checking email all day long or somebody's, you know, organizing the storage closet when the actual problem is we're not scheduled to go. And so how does that happen? You know, sometimes I'll see a schedule and it's like, okay, they want to make $7,000 a day and there's $2,000 scheduled, but yet the schedule is 80% full. So that's a problem when somebody didn't schedule and put it in correctly and other times you'll see that, well, it looked like there's $2,000 a day, but really somebody didn't use the system to update from the treatment plan what they're actually producing that day. So the numbers are all wrong. So it's, it's a lot of just looking at it and making sure there's consistency. I'll find that, you know, the hygienists are doing it one way and the assistants are doing it another way. And, you know, it kind of makes a problem for not knowing what your production or collection is going to Be for the month because everybody's doing something different or let's say they don't attach a continuing care um, and they post somebody has a cleaning but they didn't attach it so that person will never show up on a past due list so a lot of it just has to do with kind of overseeing and looking at the practice from somebody with experience you know like I'll say okay what's their insurance and we'll dig into it it's like they'll tell me something I'll say well how do you know and and I'll see that it hasn't even been updated for four years so there's a, like a lot of assumptions that go on in an office and then that ends up becoming a problem where you're scheduling somebody and you're sending them home because you didn't update the insurance and found out oh they have to go to Kaiser while I'm at dental or some specific place in order to have coverage their, their, their insurance doesn't allow them to see any dentist of their choice You know, so then we're sending people home. And whenever you have open time in the schedule, that's where dentists lose like $100,000 a year. So a lot of it is just plugging those gaps and preventing um, people being sent home because you didn't check their medical history in advance. You know, I find a, a lot of offices, they're not even having patients fill out their new patient forms until they show up. Well, then how are we scheduling them two hours, one hour with the doctor, one hour with the hygienist? We don't even know what's going on patient may just come in and just want a tooth fixed. And so there's a lot of assumptions that happen. And then there's wasted holes in the schedule. Like if a doc, let's say a patient calls out and says, Oh, you know, I just, I want an extraction, you know, they're kind of diagnosing themselves. So the front desk might say, okay, they need an extraction that takes an hour. So we'll go ahead and book them for an extraction only to find out you know, they're on blood thinners. You know, <laughs> they're coming in and now we got to send them home because they can't, we can't extract a tooth on blood thinners. And so now you've, that hour appointment was really only an x ray or an exam or both, you know, and 15 minutes worth of work. So now you're sitting around 45 minutes going in the hole. So those are the type of things I like to prevent with offices is really digging into what their schedule looks like and how it's scheduled and who's doing what.
1: It's typically when you start with an office. What are the low-hanging fruits do you go up go for?
0: The low-hanging fruits to make sure they're doing or
1: what? Maybe, maybe, no, no, I'm sorry, not low-hanging fruit. What's the first thing you typically end up cleaning up, so to speak?
0: Um, I always start with the money because that's what I'm known for. So I'll look at opportunities that they are missing. For example, um, I had a client just the other day. You know, he was he said. Um, well, this person wants an extraction and um, we're just gonna extract it and we're gonna add a tooth to the partial. And then when I dug into it, it was kind of like this person only has two teeth left on the lower. So why would we just leave one dangling front tooth there? What's it gonna do? You know, How's the perio on it and this and that. I'm not a doctor, but I wanna think like for the patient. I wanna be like, why are we, why are we doing things one tooth at a time? Why don't we get why don't we offer them at least, do you want to eat? Do you want something strong? Would you like an implant denture? Would you like, you know, teeth that look like you grew it yourself? You know, I want the patient to sell themselves on the treatment versus us just coming in and pointing out the problem and telling them what to do to fix that one problem. I feel like we have to ask our patients what they want for their mouth um, and deliver that, you know, and let them sell it on themselves if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. It makes ton of sense. So you're saying a lot of dentists don't even find out what the patient wants. They just try to tell them what they think.
0: Well, it's pretty common. It's not taught in dental school. So what nor- what the normal thing is, is the doctor you know, comes in the room and says hello, and then looks at the x-rays, opens her mouth and uses their Explorer and goes around every tooth or whatever, looking for cavities or infection or lumps and bumps or anything like that. And then they tell them what the problems are. And then, um, you know, they walk out and expect the rest of the staff to do their job. So, you know, the interview process, when we take that time to talk to our patients, find out what they want, because they all want something and it's not usually um, a quick fix, give me a root canal type of thing. I mean. They want things to last a long time they don't want to be inconvenienced and they don't want to leave work or take time off work or maybe they just want to impress the person that they're dating or maybe they want to make sure they get picked for a promotion and have a nicer smile that gives them some confidence you know but we've got to find out what our patients want and then just flat out ask what their budget is that that's something a lot of people don't ask is what is your budget you know we've got we've got staff like you know, a lot of this is mindset with with the doctor and the staff, too, because if we don't believe it, if we think it's expensive or we don't think it's necessary or we can't afford it, we tend to make that come across with our patients.
1: So, right.
0: You know, if what I see a common problem with is the doctor will tell me, um, well, they told me yes, but then they get to the front and it's no. You know, or they get to the treatment plan coordinator, insurance co- coordinator and then they're like, "Oh, I need to go home and think about it." And I think when we start digging into it, we find out it's the way they presented the finances, you know. Right. People get or, or like that
1: you said hard. they themselves don't believe it. So, it's just too expensive or
0: Yeah, I I find that when staff can barely pay bills, they tend to think you know, well, I can't afford $1,000. There's no way I can ask them for $3,000 or something like that.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Can you work on these, how do you change these mindset issues? Or can you or you can't?
0: Yeah, um, I think a lot of it has to do with this, everyone believing in what they have to offer. You know, we, we have to value ourselves as healthcare professionals, right? I heard um, my friend, Vicki, a uh, hygienist say, you know, our gums don't talk, you know, but when they're puffy and red and bleeding and whatever, that's, you know, it's telling our body something. Um, and I, I think that's a really good point is a lot shows up in our mouth and we need to, you know, be making sure that our patients are seeing their medical doctors, making sure that their diabetic numbers are under control and their blood pressure's under control. I mean, it's a whole body thing. and. I find that people just feel like, well, perio-maintenance is so expensive or a crown is so expensive. Um, But people want to eat, people want to look good, and dentistry is expensive. I mean, when I was talking with patients, I had no problem with saying that. I would be like, yep, dentistry is pricey. I mean, it's just, but look what you get. And I think that's what a lot of people fail to do is they're not explaining the benefits of what you get you know, you get a tooth that looks like you grew it yourself, you get, you know, a nice smile. And so when staff isn't super excited about it, like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so great, your veneers are going to look amazing and lifelike. And, you know, they're not explaining what the patient's going to get, then, you know, it's hard to, to get them to buy it. For example, that. The the um, patients want to see that they're making a good decision, and if so, the employees are not excited. It makes it hard for them to feel like they're making the good decision.
1: Right, <clears throat> I understand. <laughs> if um, so, where do you think the problem starts? Is it the doctor, or is it the employees, or is it? depends.
0: It, it does depend a little. Of course, everybody's going to say, you know, the owners, the leader, the, you know, in charge person. But, you know, I think hiring right is is very, very important. And I think having um, team members that don't have that um, entitlement mentality, you know, when you have team members that are like, um, you know, not my job, you know, that type of thing, or, um, well, they make all the money, so it's not my problem, or I'm not gonna do it unless you give me a raise or pay me more. You know, that's that's kind of a sign that you don't have a real good team player. Um, you know, I think having, when you ask yourself, do I have, you know, am I the one, do I have a great attitude? Am I, am I bringing and adding to the practice? Um, am I a visionary? Am I, you know, an attitude of gratitude? Um, you know, a strong sense of family or whatever, important traits are important for you, I would make sure to hire people with that kind of mentality. So they treat the business like their own, they help make a profit, they monitor the budget, you know, it, it, I remember when I was working, it was kind of like, why are you printing so many papers, you just keep printing them and throwing away, And you know, put it on your screen, that cost to print, you know, there's ink, there's the lease, the machine, the paper. So you've got to get people who think like that, because it all adds up. Um, And I think, you know, having staff that um, reports to the doctor and makes their day easy is really important. But then you'll have doctors that, you know, it's like my staff won't do it. Well, you know, part of it is you do have to communicate what you expect and you have to expect it. So sometimes there are the verbal warnings or the written warnings, or maybe they need more training. Um, But yeah, a a lot of doctors are afraid that their team's gonna quit or or let their team you know corner them in saying, why do we have to do it this way? I you know I want to do it that way. And that's to me not allowed
1: <laughs> right in terms of uh, in terms of uh, the patience, I know you talked a lot about mindsets, you talked a lot about you know, listening to patients, finding out what they want. Um, you covered, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, from a team perspective, valuing yourself, valuing your work. Um, you know, treating the business like it's your own. You know, not having this entitlement mindset. Um, can we talk a little bit about the doctor and and some of the things that you find that maybe not completely, but at least partially, creates the mess that they end up in.
0: So you're, are you asking um, what are the common problems that doctors do to get that
1: in that mess? Yeah, exactly. And then how do you hopefully teach them good habits so they don't hopefully get back into that mess?
0: Correct, okay, well, you know, I think doctors don't know from the very get-go, like, they're kind of winging um, how to run a business. So I think they get in the mess because they just don't know how to do it or they'll hire people who are very experienced. Like maybe they had a job for 10 years but they only had one job. So they think they're getting somebody with 10 years experience. But really what they're getting is somebody who only has one way of knowing how to do it and thinks that's the correct way. So, and it might be the correct way, it might not be. Um, but what happens is I think a lot of the staff is kind of running how the office should go. And so I think the first thing that a doctor would need to do to prevent that mess is definitely figuring out the core values that, that they want for the practice. You know, um, what are the traits, what are the mission statement and all that kind of thing. And then make every decision off that. Right. So if they're like, you know, we want to be respectful to each other and to the patients, well, then if you have a staff member, you know, chucking across an instrument across the room or stomping around the office or yelling down the hall for something they dropped and needs help or something, that's probably not the right staff member. And so it makes it easy when you've explained this is how our practice is going to be and this is not a good fit, you know. So I think designing your practice to go you know what this is how we want to treat our patients these are the type of employees i want these are the emotional rewards we get from work you know i'm going to give you recognition i'm going to give you a challenge i'm going to make sure you're always learning more and things like that um i think developing their brand you know what what are they going to be known for i think it's going to be really important for a doctor to be a good leader
1: Right. Makes sense. Um, You're saying doctors just are dropped into this situation and they don't really proactively know how to deal with it. They just wing it. And uh, a lot of times that winging itself can be the problem.
0: I think so. I think a lot of it boils down to expectations and accountability. So it's, you know, what, what do you expect and who's accountable for what? And, you know, a doctor has to design their practice the way they want to. If they, you know, if they only want to work four days a week, they should only have to work four days a week. We build, you kind of like you build your life around the practice, not the other way around.
1: Right. You're saying you should build your practice around your life.
0: Um, Yes.
1: Right. Now, do people go back to their old habits? So you come in, you help them and you leave. Do you find things start getting back to a position in you know, a place where it used to be? And...
0: I think the only way that would happen is if they stopped doing what worked. So in other words, if you know, at one point they were um, being consistent about reactivating patients and making 10 phone calls a day or whatever their goal is, um, and then they stop doing it and their, their schedule starts falling apart, then consistency, of course, is the key. If, if you're going to develop a system and make it work and you're growing, 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 why would you stop doing what worked? So I, I think most doctors have a financial goal that they want to do, and so they do what it takes to meet that goal, and then they try and grow from there, or they stay consistent at what they're doing to maintain that income for their practice, um, but what I find is most most staff want more. And so if you set goals on how you can, you know, hey, if we achieve this, y'all can get a gift certificate to the spa or whatever. Um, I think most people want to keep doing what they're doing and not go backwards. So I think once the foundation's in place, people make that income for the rest of their career. I, you know, I've worked in places that, you know, we doubled the profit and whatever, and we never went backwards. So I think it's all about consistency.
1: Yeah. Now, don't people go back to their old habits? You teach them all these things, but do you notice that they they, they um, stay with the new habits? Or do you notice that? They, because, you know, we are creatures of habits, right? Uh-huh. If we have a bad habit from when we were children, we tend to go back to it sometimes.
0: They can, yeah. I mean, we need to be reminded um, more than instructed. So having an accountability partner is kind of a big Thing when you have a business coach, you're you're you have an accountability partner. So that's one of the beauties of the virtual consulting is I'm following up with what you're doing and how's it going and okay, let's keep doing this and add that. You know, once it becomes easy and a habit, um, you're able to add more to it.
1: I want to spend a bit of time talking about virtual consulting. How does it work? So you talk. You told me before we started the podcast. That you do everything by zoom so i hired you i'm a dentist and i have a team so typically do i block off my lunch hour to come and talk to you once a week
0: that is the most common way because of all the different time zones i'm able to select um different time zones and they're just blocked so yeah they meet me every other week for an hour they buy the team pizza or whatever And um, we work, sometimes I'm just with the doctor, other times I'm just with the front desk or hygienist, but a lot of times it's with the whole team. So it just depends where they're at in the practice. Sometimes the doctors are the ones who need to talk about how we're going to be, what the goals are and what we're going to be setting up and what the plan is. So I, I lay out my recommendations and then I find out what their priorities are. Um, well actually find out what their priorities are and then I lay out my recommendations and let them pick which way they want to go so sometimes they want the whole team on board and sometimes they want to do it themselves where I'm teaching them and then they're running some team meetings Um, but most of the time they want me training their team
1: right and um, so once every two weeks for an hour is that good enough for most practices
0: well, I find that people c- could get their brain on overload. So, you know, I- I've been through an office consulting myself, and, um, you know, they come in six to eight hours or what have you, and we have a lot of information, a lot of great information. Um, but getting to practice it and role play it-, it takes a lot of work. And so you have this big list, and sometimes people are overwhelmed. So, when it's an hour, there's a clear focus on exactly what we're trying to accomplish whether it's role playing or you know how to present treatment plans or how to talk to the patients, how to seat and greet, how the handoff or dismissing the patient or how to introduce the doctor. I mean, there's so many things. And so we'll just go over it one step at a time um, and and make sure we're focused on it and then reporting back in, you know, how did that work for you? And we'll, we can discuss specific cases. Um, uh, sometimes, like I had one doctor, um, she told me, well, I have this um, patient coming in that I'm the second opinion and this person wants a new upper denture. And so we dug into the case and talked about it a while and I just asked myself, I'm like, well, what would they do with all upper teeth if they have no lower teeth? I don't understand. So what is their priority? And she didn't know the answer to that question. They already had two or three consults. And so it was one more to finalize the case. And It was like, well, you've got to find out. Do they want a nice smile? They just care when they smile because their lower lip doesn't show the lower teeth or do they want to eat? I mean, what is their priority? So we practiced the treatment plan for a long time um, and I gave her some tips on how to close the sale and she called me the next day and said, he he just did $40,000 worth of work. Um, She was a specialist and it was a very difficult situation and that's why he had to see a lot of doctors to to do the consult, but she closed that sale off just an hour of working with me on that one case. So that type of thing helps a lot. And that's super exciting when they can have that kind of results.
1: Right. Right. Now, um, um, how do you get access to the information as to what's going on? Do you log into their system and pull up all the reports?
0: No, I'm so I'm really different in that way. Um, I know there are One of the things I didn't like when I was an office manager is spending a whole month answering all the questions and running all the reports and creating spreadsheets from the consultant that would come in. And I know that numbers is everything and what's important, um, but it's very time consuming. And so I do things a lot differently. Uh, I do dig into some reports, you know, production collection and what have you. But for me, it's like, you know, what is going on right now is your schedule full you know, are, are you scheduling the goal? And I, I kind of focus more on just hurry, let's make the best out of what's happening tomorrow. What is going on right now in your office versus spending hours and hours analyzing reports. You know, they have apps for that. You can quickly give a figure and it's pretty easy to see what the problem is in a practice. It really doesn't take long to go, you know what? They're not closing treatment plans. There's open time in the schedule. They've got staff, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients unscheduled. I mean, once you see where the problem is, it's pretty quick to just get right to work.
1: Right. I really enjoyed our conversation today, Heidi. How can somebody get a hold of you?
0: Um, well, there's a few things they can do. Um, they can go to my website. I have one that's www, Coach Heidi Mount dot com at c o a c h h e i d i m o u n t dot com, um a one that's easy to remember that you could get ten secrets to increasing tomorrow's revenue is www.coachingdentist.com. dot com and the dentist is singular because I believe in just you, <laughs> so c o a c h i n g d e n t i s t dot com and they can grab ten secrets to increasing tomorrow's schedule right away and um, I give Every other week, I give lots of tips on how to grow your practice. Um, I try and keep them really short reads. Sometimes they're podcasts, but other times they're five, 10 minute reads. Um, And so they can grab that from opting in on one of the sites. And my personal email is Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, at coachingdentist.com. That's a great way to reach me. And my cell phone number will be on it when I reply.
1: Oh, perfect. Thank you very much, Heidi. I really appreciate your time today. Anything else you want to add um, uh, as a final thought?
0: Um, No, I I seriously had a great time. <laughs> hope I didn't talk your ear off.
1: No, I, I enjoyed it. So I do appreciate it. I think our listeners are also going to like your simple tips. Uh, you try to simplify things. I think a lot of people think uh, business has to be complicated and, uh, Uh, I like your mindset, which is, you know, we don't need to wait three years to see results. We don't need to run, you know, do a lot of analysis to find out what's wrong. You know, we can just jump in and start fixing problems and solving issues and seeing results.
0: Exactly.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Growing Dentist podcast show. And once again, thank you, Heidi, for talking to us today.
0: Thank you for having me.